as we continue our look at the book of Hebrews, we're in chapter 12 this morning. Last week we looked at chapter 11, the great gallery of faith, and I hope that you had the chance to read through that in a little more detail because as always on Mondays, there's far more content in the Word of God than time allows us to look through in great detail. The chapter was all about faith which receives God's gifts. And those many Old Testament saints in the chapter were all examples of living by faith. The whole purpose was to encourage us, we who are called to live by faith in Christ Jesus, who is superior and supreme to all other people, all other things. So this morning, Hebrews 12 directly applies this to us and places us in that gallery of faith as God's saints. Let's take a look by starting off with the first three verses. Let's read that together, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sins such himself, that you may not grow weary. All those saints of Hebrews 11 are here brought together under the description of witnesses. And there are two senses to that word which apply. I think we may be prone to forget one of them and what the job of a witness really is. The way that most people read this, and this is a fine application of it, is that witnesses observe. And given that this chapter is an extended athletic image, it's common for readers to equate this with the spectators in the stands who cheer those of us who are still running, running the final lap in the stadium of the Olympics, heading for the finish line in front of thousands of people, filled with those watching us. And there's a sense in which this is true and helpful, but it gets its meaning, its deep meaning, from the other sense. Witnesses give testimony. The saints who have gone before us are testifying to us, not watching us as supervisors or mere spectators. They testify to us of God's faithfulness. They give evidence to us of what the life of faith looks like and why Jesus is the only true object of faith. They show us again and again that we have a God who always keeps his promises and that's a source of encouragement to us. These witnesses are the ones who have completed the things that Hebrews 12 calls us to do and are now testifying to us who are still living in them. So what are we called to do? What's their encouragement to us? To run the race. To live the life of faith in Christ and to do so with endurance. Now we're already in that race. It's not something God's calling us to start today. If you are his child, you're already running. But Hebrews is here to coach us. To help us complete the race and do it in faith. To do it well. To reach the victory. 
And so using that image of training and preparation, Hebrews calls us to make some preparations. Two things. To prepare for our race, we are to lay aside every weight and we are to lay aside sin which clings so closely. In a physical race, you, of course, don't want to be carrying any extra weight that will slow you down. You don't want to be carrying any baggage or weights with you. And likewise, you don't want to wear any confining clothing that's going to trip you up, It's going to entangle you and cause you to fall. And this is the author's metaphor for the obstacles that stand in our way. They come from us. What is it that threatens your race? What is it that holds you down with extra weight? What are the sins that wrap themselves around you, causing you again and again to stumble and fall? Whatever it is, get rid of it. But don't misunderstand what he's saying. If it were just so simple that we could take off all those things and cast them aside, we would need no words of encouragement. We could simply do them on our own. But the fact is, the weight that we carry is part of us. The things that entangle us are our very nature. And we love them so very much. By ourselves, we lack the ability to lay these things aside. But God does not. Rather, these weights and confining things are laid aside when we turn again to Christ, when we confess our sins, when we let him take the weight from us, and we let him cut the things that are tangling us away. We're prepared when we're in Christ each day, in confession and in his grace. We're ready to run. And then, looking at the race, perhaps we need a bit of a reality check. We join a race that's already over. It's already been won. The prize has been awarded. The victory has gone to someone else, and still we race. So what's the point? Well, of course, the author knows that the race is already over. He knows that the race is already won because it's not our race. It's Jesus' race. He is the founder of faith. He's the perfecter of faith. You can also translate that word, the finisher. The one who brings it to its very end. And by becoming a man, fulfilling all that God requires of us, and then graciously paying the debt of our sin on the cross, by picking up the weights that were holding us down and the confinements of our sin, he still went and ran the race with all of that burden, doing what we were unable to do and winning the victory. He has completed it all on our behalf. The race is over. So is there a point for us running? Of course there is. But we're not competitors. We have no chance of winning the race that's already over. We don't seek to be first across the finish line. That place is already gone. Unlike every other race, the prize is given before we've even started. But the fact that the victory has already been won takes the pressure off of us. The outcome 
is secure. Even our outcome is secure. God is calling you to run the race in joy. To have a a fun run. Living up to a prize that's already been awarded to you that you didn't earn. He calls you to engage in something that's a pure delight following in the path of our Lord Jesus. And if you want to run that race well, well, here's the way. Look at how the winner ran. Look to Jesus. He was motivated by the meaning of his victory. Hebrews describes his race saying, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the pain of death by excruciating torture. And he despised its shame, the way that people would look upon him, where anyone would naturally want to avoid such a fate. He did all that for you and me. He endured hostility from the very people that he was saving, from sinners who needed his redemption, he did not give up. But seeing the goal, the goal that was before him, he ran with endurance because he would do anything to win you. You are his prize. And the rest of Hebrews... Everything that's gone before and the little bit that still lies ahead shows us the detail of that. He who was the very image of God, greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than the priesthood, greater than the prophets, greater than the Sabbath, greater than all other things that people hold up before their God. He made himself a savior. He kept going in a race he didn't need to run. He, the great high priest, was also our sacrifice who offered himself once and for all to win the prize of you and me. And he has won that victory and chooses not to hoard his trophy, not to rest on that great accomplishment, but rather winning the race, he shares his victory He makes us righteous, bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Here in Hebrews, we see the completion that Jesus, having won, sits down at the right hand of glory, already on the platform, but he doesn't stop his work even then. He gives us his victory. In his race, he calls us to join it, By faith in him. And as we were his focus and goal, he is now our focus and our goal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to him. Run to him. In other words, believe. Have faith, which is God's gift. But know that the Lord Jesus doesn't just map out a path and stand back watching from a distance. This victorious champion comes off the platform to come alongside of us, to encourage us, to carry us, to get us to the finish line.
And let's face it, we all need some encouragement because the race can be difficult. Let's look at one of those difficulties. Hebrews 12, verses 7 and 8 and 11. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. He disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Running well takes work. It's painful. This morning, I went for my normal workout at the gym, and I discovered that it was the first day of the end of New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Parking was easy. The crowd was remarkably thinner. It was easy to get to anything I wanted to use. People have given up. It was too much. And to be perfectly honest, when I rolled out of bed this morning, one of my first thoughts was, should I give up? And the answer is no. Training can be hard work. Running well takes discipline, and we're not always going to enjoy that part of it. Because the way to strengthen weak muscles is to use them. The way to increase performance is to run and to do it well. Our Lord gives us this race to run And he strengthens us to it and calls us to endure. Chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. Let's read this together. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many come to fire, that no one is sexually immoral or... So what does this look like? Here's how he calls us to run. Lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your knees. Be encouraged, knowing that the victory is guaranteed. But pay attention to the pattern of life that God gives to you. In running, we'd say run with good form. And God tells us what good form looks like for the Christian. Make straight paths. For your feet. Watch where you're going because a race won't get you to the finish if you're on the wrong path. And don't make it harder for yourself than it needs to be. Avoid unnecessary temptations. Don't put yourself in situations that make it even harder, as we so often want to do. And as we do that, don't do it alone. God calls us to run with a team. He places us into the fellowship of his church in a way that makes it easier for us to run together. But it's not always easy to run 
with our team. Let's remember, we're not competing against each other, but together we're competing against those who would ask us to drop out. Part of our calling is to get everyone through this race. But that's not always easy as we're sinners. And one of our temptations is the threat of breaking us apart. So strive to work together. Strive for peace with all in the body of Christ. Beware bitterness among yourselves, which simply makes it all harder. And watch out for immorality. In other words, as we run, don't choose to put on things which entangle and cause us to fall once more. Live in God's word. Live in repentance. Live in grace. And remember the goal. We run with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And in him, we will be brought to the finish. However hard that race seems today, whatever the weight or the tangles that threaten to slow you down or trip you up, know that the prize is already given to you in Christ Jesus, and know that he places you on this team to run together. And so run with endurance, encourage one another, and run to Jesus. Let's pray.